All right. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Paradigm. We hope you're having a great holiday season. Um, we're publishing this uh, December 26th, I believe it is today. Mm -hmm. um, this might be a little backlogged, but we hope you had a great end of your 2021. Um, before we jump into today's episode, let me give you a kind of a backdrop on what's going on. We're reading Endurance by Alfred Lansing. We're going to be talking about part three today. Um, before we jump into that information, make sure you subscribe to the channel, like the video, drop a comment down below, and follow us on all our social media platforms. All the information will be down in the description below. Red is a little used to the man who has betrayed his soul. Maybe you're the protagonist in your story, but like there's a million other people. Um, so let's start this episode with a little bit of a summary of what happened in part three. So uh, part three begins with, after five days of exhausting struggle, the crew was suddenly idle with almost nothing to do except think. Many of them finally grasped for the first time just how desperate things really were. It had been five days since the crew left Ocean Camp, and they had only covered nine miles to the northwest. They had been forced to stop and even retreat where they resided now. They called it Mark Time Camp. The crew's ultimate goal was still to get themselves out, but they couldn't only if the pack chose would they be permitted to escape. At the moment, they were powerless. There was no goal, not even the smallest achievable objective for them to aim for. Much of the crew made attempts to be cheerful, but without much success. There wasn't much to be cheerful for. Everyone was constantly soaked and food storages were rapidly depleting. There was very little game available until January 1st when five seals and penguins were killed and brought, oh, and a penguin, excuse me, were killed and brought back to camp. A turn in game availability ramped up until one day when orderlies killed three seals and Shackleton made a call not to retrieve any more seals as it posed as a sign of defeat to him. Following that order, game became scarce and supplies began to deteriorate again. This led to anxiety throughout the crew as many blamed Shackleton for making an egotistical call about bringing in more seals. Moreover, because of food storage deterioration, Shackleton pondered the idea of killing the dogs to ease the supply drain, and word got out. The men had fostered a love for the dogs, and you can imagine they weren't happy. The next day, the camp had to be moved 150 yards to the southeast, to what became known as Patience Camp. Once more, um, excuse me, once the more was completed, wild move was completed, Wild had ordered to kill his team and dogs along with three other teams. Other, only Green Street's team was spared because the next day they went to Ocean Camp to gather supplies. They returned two days later with a thousand pounds of supplies. The next day, the wind finally flipped around and began blowing to the southwest, pushing their flow northeast. Winds reached up to 70 miles per hour and continued to for a few days. Once the gale concluded, Worsley located them on their maps. The wind had pushed them 84 total miles northeast in six days. Finally, a glimmer of hope. However, because of the wind, the ice was now packed even tighter and closer together. This meant that half of Ocean Camp was closer too. So a group of 18 men were sent back to retrieve the Stancombe Willis boat. The third boat they left behind. After returning from Ocean Camp with a third boat and any supplies they could find, things were returned as they were. Playing the waiting game, hoping the pack would open up to water sooner rather than later. While they waited, a penguin migration brought over thousands of penguins 
into their proximity, and within several days, the crew killed, slaughtered, and cleaned 600 penguins. This aided, but did not solve the biggest issue of the crew, blubber storage amounts and uh, starvation. A month after the southerly gale, and they covered 68 miles for an average <coughs> daily drift of two miles. They were slowly moving northwest, approaching the end of the Paulette Peninsula. The men had nothing fresh to read, nothing to talk about, as all topics have been completely exhausted. Many walked around and around their flow to pass the time and observe for changes. Some days were so bad, uh, even the weather, the men were relegated to their tents with nothing to do but sleep to pass the time. When March 9th came, the crew felt a swell that opened and closed gaps between the loose chunks of ice, four to six inches wide. Flows differentially rose and fell no more than an inch. There was no doubt it was a swell from the open sea. Like that, hopes of escape were revitalized, but not for Shackleton. He knew there could be no escape if the swells increased, but the pack remained close. The swells would grind the ice to bits on which they could not camp and through which they could not sail. The men crawled out of their tents the next day, March 10th, expecting to see the swell had increased. However, they were disappointed to see not the slightest movement. Disappointment grew to grief for much of the crew. The one indication of open sea had been dangled in front of them and snatched away. On March 13th, it had been over four months and the crew had been out on the flow and a sense of desperation began to infect them. The situation was only getting worse as food stores began to dwindle again. Blubber, flour, coffee, and tea were all at dangerously low levels. On March 22nd, Shackleton began to ponder killing the dogs to slow food use in order to extend food storage. But on March 23rd, Shackleton was walking around the flow looking for any changes. It was a patchy fog morning, and in one of the clearings, Shackleton spotted land. It was one of the danger islets, exactly 42 miles away, and only 20 miles beyond it was their desired destination, Paulette Island. Many of the men found no reason to become excited due to the fact that the pack was showing no signs of opening and was impassable with the sledges. So the land sighting served as another reminder of their helpless, helplessness. On March 27th, the misty weather turned into pure rain, soaking everyone and everything. Later that afternoon, the rain became snow and by five o'clock ceased altogether. James was on night watch and was tasked with walking around the flow. He detected some movement in the ice, which he described as a very distinct swell, slowly lifting the flow, and at 5.25 the next morning, the flow finally split. Within seconds, all the crew members stumbled out of their tents to see two large cracks in the flow. In addition to that, the whole pack was rising to a swell. The crew ran and fetched the James Caird boat, and by then, cracks down the center of the flow had widened to 20 feet in some places. Several men jumped across in smaller areas and tossed their stores of meat back to their flow. By 6.45 a.m., everything was safely across the cracks, but another large crack formed as the crew was preparing for breakfast, this time directly beneath the James Caird and 100 feet from the tents. The boat was brought closer to the tents, and breakfast was resumed upon... Conclusion of breakfast, an 11-foot-long sea leopard made an appearance on the edge of their flow. Wilde killed it with his rifle, and with one shot, the crew had a two-week supply of blubber and 1,000 pounds of meat. Uh, with, within its stomach, there was 50 undigested fish left aside for the crew's next meals. Unfortunately, the time had come with no possibility of going back to Ocean Camp to kill Macklin's dog team. But now, not for nothing, excuse me, 
as once all the dogs were killed, they were used for steaks and were thoroughly enjoyed by the crew. On April 3rd, another sea leopard, sea leopard was killed and the morale of the whole crew improved. The crew was now on the flow 200 yards across and Clarence Island lay 68 miles north of them. Only bad news was that their flow was headed for the open ocean. Within the next two days, their flow veered west 21 miles. By noon on April 6th, Worsley sighted Clarence Island 52 miles away. The sea around the flows were teeming with life, killer whales, penguins, and many types of birds. On the evening of April 6th at 6.45 p.m., there was a heavy thump and their flow split underneath the James Caird. The James Caird and the other two boats were brought closer to the tents, and when it was over, their flow had dimensions of 100 by 120 by 90 triangle. The swells continued to beat on their flows, and at 10.30 p.m. on April 6th, Shackleton's voice rang out, strike the tents and clear the boats. Once complete, the crew awaited further orders as the swells pounded their flows. At 12.40, Shackleton ordered, launch the boats. How long would there be open water for them to sail? Even as they rode away from Patience Camp, the ice began to close. So that concludes the summary for part three. In a short-term way to say it, they were playing the waiting game for so long, their food store just kind of came to a dwindling and finally were blessed with sea leopards and some life to eat, some penguins, penguins <laughs> all that. Good penguins, stew. Um, and then finally the flow cracks after <clears throat> months of being on the ice. Um, they finally get a chance to launch their boats and head towards land. Mm -hmm. So what do you guys think of this chapter? Like, What was your guys' favorite part? Were there key takeaways? Um, it was It was interesting to see this part because this is the part of the book where i think the the minds of the men are starting to just you know, their morale their morale is dwindling yeah. you know they're starting to feel the pressure of you know when are, are we going to starve to death you know um there's just nothing to do it's getting really depressing and they're starting to even the men are starting to kind of conflict more and argue and whatnot and it was interesting to see how that all played out in this chapter um it was a little it's a little depressing like there's times where i was reading it and i was like damn dude i can't i can't imagine they're going through you know mm -hmm. but um shackleton had to make some hard decisions in this chapter and i can tell uh well the way that the author is describing it is that he was definitely going through a mental battle because a lot of the things that they're going through were depending on his decisions and he had to you know deal with the, the repercussions of those, whether they're bad or good. <clears throat> I think uh, he writes in his diary, I, I dream of a day where I don't have to think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, cause unlike the other men who get to just turn off because they're like, well, it's up to Shackleton. Shackleton never gets that. He's always thinking like the next day, the next yeah. minute, the next week. Yeah. So I think that's a lot of burden on him. Yeah. In his journal too, where it's just the wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Um, I think, Biggest takeaway, I guess, a pro, pro and a con of this chapter, like the pros that I really liked, um, starts to talk about the the details of uh, the mentality, the moral um, diminishing um, of the the well being of their minds, um, them being able to push through hard times, being able to listen to Shackleton, not like right. be combative with certain things. But I think the thing that I didn't like about this chapter was just very like, um, what's that word for uh, repetitive? Um, mono, uh, it's uh, mono something. Um, but it's it, it's it's very uh just wait 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 it's like the same thing happened over three times four times right the leopard oh, okay well now we got to figure out okay now penguins okay now we got to figure out where's the island now we got to wait for the clouds to clear and it was like 
it's crazy. I I can't imagine being in that situation right. where in the city where you're idle for too long, it gets I don't I gotta be doing something. But imagine being out in the middle of nowhere where you're uncomfortable, there's it's freezing outside, like yeah, you literally can't do anything. Like you don't have anything to talk about. Like first for months on end, six months, like it's starting to break them down a little yeah, bit. So. Like even when they saw land towards the end of the book. There was some men that just stood in their tent and they're just like, I'm going to wait until this is for sure yeah. like confirmed because to get all hyped up before, and then they have to wait longer. It's like, yeah. I was like, damn, that's crazy. And yeah. I think the author did a really good job of capturing the morale of the group in that waiting situation. Yeah. The way it's like written and described. Cause you feel it. You're like, man, dude, when is this going to go? When is this going to, you know, when are things going to change? When are we going to get up. some sort of change in the story pickup, like the yeah. speed? And so it, it, he did a really good job of writing to get the reader to understand, like, dude, we're just waiting for dude, all yeah, months. I think everybody that, like, just us that, like, go camping, I think we can recognize having to jump into a wet sleeping bag with a wet tent with wet clothes. Like, yeah, where that, do you get any any comfort in that? Like, Yeah, dude, it's freezing. I kept thinking with that. Like, they're just wet all the time. Yeah. Like, a sleeping bag, like. It's just a little bit less wet than the rest of the wet, you know? Yeah. yeah. And like, that, it's like, like you got to choose the That's got to be just awful, dude. And they're packed in the tents, and there's people that are – there's one <laughs> guy that was just <laughs> sniffling the whole time, and it was just driving people insane. Right. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah this uh, past week I had um, that mapping trip from 18th to the 23rd. Uh-huh. It got cut a day early because when it said rain, I mean, it was rain. Yeah, it was rain right here too. Right? Yeah, it was like, wow. it was the same storm, right? But um, we were camping on marine clay, right? They put mm. us on marine clay. So basically, water doesn't go through it. It just puddles up on top. So we were mapping all day. We get back to the fucking campground and it was just puddles of water everywhere, dude. And I had, I just stood there for a second and I was like, man, this kind of reminds me of endurance, right? It was <laughs> like, what can I do? I was like, it's time to abandon ship, bro. Like, get everything. And we went to the store um grabbed two boxes of fucking the biggest black trash bags you can get just put everything in the bag so it wouldn't leak in the cars i mean clay dude if that gets on anything it's a wrap right Damn. and so we put everything in the thing and just in in bags double bagged it put everything in the cars and took off it's still raining there today so it's like wow dude but at that point too i was like because i was sitting there i was like okay do we sit here and we try and figure it out inside the tents were still dry but for how long, you know? So yeah. I just Damn. was like, all right, we got to just strike the tent. Was there heavy wind at all? Uh, no, the thing was we were camping in redwood trees. So it was like oh, right okay. where the redwood trees meet the ocean. And so they were thick redwood trees. So all the wind was blocked, but the rain still came in. So it was like, it's time to abandon it, wow. you know? Yeah, that's rough. But yeah, it was it was interesting. At least you guys sure. called it though, because I, I feel like that would have been horrible to stay out there in the rain. And, and to put people through it that they don't get anything out of it yeah. was like, you know, it so... <laughs> Yeah, it was just made me think of that. It was yeah, like, dude, it's time to go. Yeah, dude. I can imagine sleeping in the conditions that they I'm already mm-hmm. a light sleeper, bro. So it's like <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it's I would be able crazy. to sleep. Like the wetness, I think like wet, drive me insane, dude, wet bro. socks, <laughs> yeah. bro. Wet socks are kinda like cold wet socks. <laughs> <laughs> and then you wake no up. Way. Remember when they were waking up, um, when the flows were breaking or someone one of the watchers had called it and um they just woke up and it was like pitch black outside and they're just trying to Strumbling figure out where around. everybody's yeah. at and bumping yeah. into each other and stuff. Yeah. Awful. Definitely. <clears throat> so uh I had a big takeaway from this this part. Um <clears throat> I, I think we've all heard the saying, if you haven't, um, it's the devil's playground is an idle mind. You kind of see that reflected in this part, uh, part three of this book, because 
everything was, you know, great. Part one, they're all getting things situated and getting all the money to get everything ready to go. Part two, they're finally sailing out there. They get stuck in the ice, but they're still warm. They still have things to do. They're still comfortable. They're having a good time. They have things to talk about. And then part three, the boat, it's done, right? They get out onto the ice. They're finally on ocean camp. You know, you still have things to do, right? On ocean camp. You're still close to the boat. Everything's still cool. As soon as they leave ocean camp and they have to trek through the, like, not so good ice, socks are getting wet. People are getting pissed off. You have nothing else to do. People start, it starts being a little bit different, right? You start seeing people. There's a part in the the book where, you know, Macklin has, he has one of the only dog teams left. Right. And so he's getting prepared to make the final possible run down to uh, Ocean Camp to pick up some of their food stores. And uh, Shackleton pulled the plug because the ice just was it's too weak at that point. Uh, He didn't want to risk the dogs, didn't want to risk the manpower. And so once he was told there was nothing he could do, you just have to kind of sit here and wait. A fight broke out in their tent, right? It might it might have started with something small, like just a little bit of a phrase somebody said to him. But a fight broke out um, and just, you know. It wasn't as bad as a mutiny, but it definitely brought up a, you know, a fold of discomfort and, you know, discernment inside the group where it was like, well, we have nothing to do. Let's just kind of be pissed off at each other is what it seemed like. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, humans without a purpose or an undesired purpose will inevitably become distressed and make poor decisions, um, as it can be seen inside that, that tent Mm -hmm. scene, which is, um, you know. Finally, we have nothing to do. We finally had something given to us that we could possibly do. And then hope was taken away. So, And, and just to mention all that on top of the fact that their, their rations are running out. They're slowly mm-hmm. getting less and less food and nourishment. And, and it's getting colder because they don't have the, like, the food in their body. You know yeah. what I mean? They don't have any mm-hmm. calories. So it's getting worse on top of that. Yeah. Um, and I, I did notice that they did have a little bit more sense of morality when they did have things to do you know even if it was just like killing the leopard or or you know getting the penguins you know it seemed like they were all like all right at least we have a task to do. yeah the irony in that is they talked about or they uh, i'm not sure if the author just mentioned it or if they actually talked about it with amongst each other while they are on their adventure but the group that tried to do it before Mm -hmm. um that kind of went crazy because they had nothing to do and then they their ship goes under and now they're in that position and now they're on the brink of like going crazy or actually actually remaining sane but obviously the further you read into the book luck goes into their favor right they they have they stay faithful but luck's play is playing a huge part in helping them out yeah, we oh. talk about them. Uh, I think that's the Valencia part, or uh, Belicia, the, the, oh, yeah. that journey. Uh-huh. But they talk about the Madhouse Promenade, right? Where they get out of the boat and they're just walking around the ice. Mm-hmm. And they, they literally had to do that too. All day, yeah. every day, if they're not in their tents, what were they doing? Just mm-hmm. walking around the flow. Yeah. And at so. one point, they were forced to do that because the flow kept breaking up. Right. Like someone had to be on watch because if everybody's sleeping, what if the shit breaks and everybody yeah. just goes under? Everybody goes under. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so they were subjected to their own madhouse promenade in their own way. And then Shackleton's, um, he's kind of put in the position to where it's like anything that he, any decision that he makes, there's a group of people that are getting closer and closer to their last straw with a decision that's being made that maybe they don't want to do. And then it causes a debate, right? Like on page 130, um, on January 19th, a rumor had spread that Shackleton was considering killing the dogs to ease the drain on food supplies. And then that are that rumor had already set men 
up for, you know, arguing and debating and whatnot. And I was just like, damn, dude, to be in a position where your decisions is going to cause arguments, you know, uh, have people be, you know, upset or on the brink of getting ready to fight, just crazy. Do you have something yeah. you wanted to say, John? Uh, well, what the dog things, they were just complaining because, like Jay said, that I don't mind some of the dudes, new information, something they, they could like complain about. But yeah. when the order was given to kill the dogs, like, I don't think anybody complained once, right. you know? He just, and he let the one guy hold on to his. Not because he asked, just because he kind of knew, like, okay, you can be the last one. And even then, when those dogs were ordered to ki- be killed, like, there was not even, like, a use for that. Just, like, there's, like, yeah. okay. I guess they were just but, arguing over the, the value of the dogs. Yeah, that's what it yeah. says. Mm-hmm. Something to think about, too, is, like, because leadership and stuff, seems like Shackleton's type of leadership is he never really, seems like it's portrayed in the book that he never left things up to discussion on what we should do next, you know? Uh, it seems like it was portrayed in the book that Chaplin's leadership, he never really put things up to discussion. Like, well, what should we do next? Because maybe oh, I'm not sure. And, yeah. and that's just because when orders are given, they got to be absolute because we're, they're like in a dire situation. You know, I can't have, I can't fucking t- make every decision with 20 guys weighing in on it. Mm-hmm. It's just not how it works. You guys need to follow me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think we point. discussed that a little bit. Like, I think there again, even if Shackleton wasn't making the right decisions and it was hard for him, like someone has to take that role. And like John mentioned earlier, like all the other men, the 20 men that are out there not having that responsibility role or that leadership role don't have to sit there and have thoughts in their head the whole time. Shackleton's the only man that has to sit here and think about everybody else's well-being all day, 24-7, making mm-hmm. sure everything's all right. Obviously, other men are going to provide some guidance, but... If anything, they could everybody could just point at Shackleton if they wanted to. Right. True. Yeah. yeah. Ultimately, that's his responsibility. Um, you know that that brings up a good question. You know, when you're in what situation does it call for? You know, this is the decision. Follow the order versus let's discuss. Mm. Right. When when do you think that would be appropriate? Because if I think back just to my mapping trip, mm. you know, I have people with me. There's things that I need to achieve. Right. I can do them in different ways. So I discuss them with the people I'm with. I'm like, okay, what do you think? You know, because when we got back to camp, it's like, well, what do you guys think? Do you want to sleep in this? Right? It was like, <clears throat> not really. Well, it's like, I feel you on that. Like, it's just going to be at this the next couple of days. Our boots are wet. Let's go. You know? Mm-hmm. There, in that situation, it can be discussed. But if it's life and death. I think, yeah. I, I think, think that's it, what the playground, it switches completely. Yeah. It, it all changes, right? Yeah. If that, like, yeah. That's like case by case. You know, with, with them, he was the captain. They signed up for the trip. Right. right? Mm-hmm. You came to a mapping trip. You guys are all equal peers. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so if, if it's makes, a that makes sense more at risk you think like well, military the level would be, of seriousness too because when they before they left uh, in chapter 2 or chapter 1 they discussed like the, the legal signing of right. hey, Shackleton's leader <laughs> like you're right. signing your away the, the rights yeah. to listen to this man right. while I, you're on this voyage maybe urgency plays a part where you're like mm-hmm. okay no I'm making the decision but people people don't gotta listen to you right. as well so you can try to see the leadership role and maybe people don't want to listen to you so you went to a cave and trip and you guys are all equal peers. So like it, you guys are more of a democracy, right? you know, but yeah, when right. you're at work, your boss is kind of your boss. So yeah. you're not as equal, you know? So mm-hmm. oh, yeah, that makes he can sense. ask your opinion, but at the end of the day, you don't make the doesn't decision. Matter. Right. Yeah. Like, make that decision. was yeah. what uh Worsley and wild were for um, Shackleton. Right. I mean, he listened to what they had to say, but ultimately it was his decision. Mm-hmm. Right. They, they had his little they were crew. Like a, 
a former was counseled because he he trusted them, right. but they weren't his equal. You right, know? right, right. Yeah, definitely. So learning how to identify those type of situations would, you know, impact how you move as a leader if you're a leader in some sort of situation. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. it, 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 like John said, it's it's base by base, right? Like right. it's almost like even situation by situation, and then it's step by step. Right. It depends on what step you're like. Are you guys? Is it at that life and death point? Are you guys recognizing recognizing that you guys might become that life and death point, but it hasn't reached that yet? Mm-hmm. Like, so I think there's stages within stages, and it's situation by situation. Yeah. Well, like a, a current example on like a normal situation, not even normal, but like in my school right now, the superintendent had to decide whether they're going to do man man mandated vaccines for the school system or not for the teachers. Yeah. And like he heard everyone's opinion. But at the end of the day, like it's his decision. You right, know, he's right, the yeah, boss of over 100%. everybody. Um, and he ended up kind of meeting in the middle. He was like, "Okay, we're not mandating a vaccine, but if you if you're not vaccinated, you have to get tested, tested. weekly. Like right. that's the compromise." So like he heard people on both sides of the fence trying to make both people happy. But <clears> at the end of the day, his decision was going to be law if you right. wanted to keep working. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, which you could choose not to keep working. And in, in their case, that they would have chose not to keep. Shacklin's orders, they would be alone on ice. Right. You know? Yeah, no, you're not, out to die. No food, no bullshit. They're like, okay, you go figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> Start swimming. Start swimming. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't. You wouldn't try to do you would, right? right? You so. would die. Could yeah. you imagine someone's like, Yeah, I don't wanna I don't wanna do this. I don't wanna listen to you anymore. And everybody's looking at you like, What are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is our food go. now. Yeah, you can't take yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. For real. So uh, one of the biggest takeaways that we wanted to really extract from this book is, you know, besides enduring like hard times would be leadership qualities inside of Shackleton that we can extract. There was a couple in this uh, part. Uh, One that really stood out to me is on page 128, where it says uh, Shackleton was not an ordinary individual. He was a man who believed completely in his own invincibility and to whom defeat was a reflection of personal inadequacy. What might have been an act of reasonable caution to the average person was to Shackleton a detestable admission that failure was a possibility. This self-confidence of Shackleton took the form of optimism, and it worked in two ways. It set men's soul on fire, as Macklin said, just to be in his presence was an experience. It was what made Shackleton such a great leader. But at the same time, the basic egotism that gave rise to his enormous self-reliance occasionally blinded him to realities. <clears throat> he tactically expected those around him to reflect his own extreme optimism, and he could but be almost petulant if they failed to do so. Such an attitude, he felt, cast doubt on him and his ability to lead them to safety. Mm-hmm. So um, this kind of all ties back to the idea that, or the the action that, Shackleton didn't allow them to bring in any more seals at a point, right? They were like, we're moving, we're going to keep moving. So if we just keep adding meat to our what we're moving, it's just going to be heavier, <laughs> right? So he was like, all right, no more capturing meat. And then immediately following that became just a scarce time for meat. So just supplies started dwindling, mm-hmm. right? So um, I think John had a really good question related to this. Um, but, you know, that was used as like kind of a tool to attack leadership qualities inside Shackleton whenever things kind of got tough. Food's, food's low. Man, if Shackleton would have let us bring in that one more seal, we'd be good for another week. Yeah, what if, what if, what if. Right? What if, what if, what if. Um, but, you know, I think John had a really good question about um, 
this this leadership quality yeah so i guess the question is either being a leader or someone that you've seen whether you're a follower and the leader has to make a decision but after the fact it ended up being the wrong decision right mm -hmm. and you're like um monday couch you know coach me like i would have done the other thing you know right, obviously right. Mm. Um, being a leader, sometimes you make a decision and it's wrong and you got to be able to face your team and be like, okay, that was wrong, but we yeah. got to move forward. Complaining about it's not going to work out mm -hmm. and I'm not going to apologize. I'm trying my best, you know, right. It's really easy to make. It's really easy to make the right decision hindsight. Right. And that's why I think one is a good thing that Shackleton didn't leave decisions up to democracy, democracy. You know, he was like, Hey, and he never apologized about it. Uh, just even with myself, you know, this is my first year being a teacher and I got to be like a leader to all these kids and I got to teach them welding, like an actual skill. And sometimes like I got to backtrack on like how I teach them something or if, I, if I'm giving them advice to do something and they fuck it up and the reason why they fuck it up is because my advice, I'm like, sorry, dude, I thought it was going to work out. Like right. you didn't know better. You thought I did. And I tried to give you my best option and it didn't work out. So we're going to try this. Like, mm -hmm. it's just what it is, you know? Yeah. So, but I got to tell them, at least for me, I tell them, hey, man, I made a mistake. That was my bad. You know, I yeah. didn't know. Yeah, I think I think a leader is always that person that give you, uh, like, the sense of guidance and to feel like, yeah, I know people want to believe that, or, like, when we do seek guidance, we do want our guider or our person, our leader, to be right 100% of the time. Obviously, that's not realistic. Yeah. Um, and obviously – for Shackleton's situation and, and, and the men wanting to be uh, hesitant to be like, well, like, well, if it would, if this, he would have took to me and we would have got more like to, to debate that is, is like going against everything you've led up to, to, to this point, you've let Shackleton get you here. You've let him. So everything could be Shackleton's fault, but at the same time, you have to also accept the responsibility that you accepted his guidance. Right. You accepted that. That could be wrong, but we don't want to accept that. We would like to put the responsibility on somebody else that has more experience, that has the leadership quality. Mm. Um, but at the end of the day, that's a hard, it's hard. I think you make a decision. If it's wrong, then you don't ever want to come off as like, oh, I'm so sorry, guys. It will never happen again. But like you learn from your mistakes yeah. and just that, do it again. That, that, that reminds me a lot too. Just, you know, on Twitter and stuff, there's uh, in the, in the finance community and like the trading community, there's these guys on Twitter called furus, your fake gurus, who call out these plays, right? Mm -hmm. And then people lose money and they're like, fuck you, so-and-so, you, you know, you made me lose money. And the dude's like, I didn't log into your account and right. press buy, dude. Yeah. You know? Right, like, right. that was your yeah. decision. I'm giving you this time. advice for free. Yeah. yeah. So if it didn't work out, my apologies. A lot of them do work out, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so um. I have a Go question to spin your, your that. So like, okay. I think where we were kind of getting at is if, if our leader is wrong, right, at work or if we're a leader, um, how do you want them to address that wrong? Hmm. Right? Do you want them to own, like, for me, I would like them to own up to it and just kind of be like, you know, I might be more experienced in this field, but I don't know everything. I would like right? a $5 Starbucks gift card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in, yeah. In the Shackleton, in the Shackleton one, I wouldn't, I wouldn't need the, I wouldn't need the apology. Right, you know? right. Don't, don't we're, we're in a drastic scenario. Right. Okay. <laughs> but in a, in a normal one, just, I would like some sort of them owning it too, being like, 
I was wrong. My apologies. We're going to try this again. Right. right. Just Lesson the fact learned. of just saying that you're, you're wrong. Like, hey, this wasn't, this wasn't the right decision. But now we know it's, it wasn't. So it's like, mm-hmm. let's work. Yeah. Let's keep working. Because yeah. you know that's, I mean? that's a strong... Yeah. leadership quality right like to recognize that you're yeah to take responsibility take accountability recognize that you are wrong and let's all move forward together and if someone does have an issue let's bring it to the table now and don't hold resentment when something right. else comes up to in the future right. obviously like john said shackleton this situation is a lot more different because it is dire it's like if we're not making if you guys aren't listening to me then we can figure out how you can get on your own but obviously if you go on your own you know you're gonna die right. there's really no other option right like so it is it's a rough it's a rough uh situation to kind of figure out so let's say you're a leader you've made a mistake you've brought it to your the people that you're leading Mm -hmm. how would you want them to react right because we're we're going to be in both sides of this at some point in life Mm -hmm. right whether you were the one that's wrong or you're the one that followed wrong advice how would you want that person to be you know what accepting how, how do we learn from this how would you want that what what i would want from like from the follower if you're the leader with yeah. the follower i would want them to be like it's okay i still trust you yeah okay yeah just that that's all i need to hear good you know okay. you're still in good hands i still care i'm still trying my best not just for you but for both of us you know yeah. right right sam i would like i would lean in the the, the the lines what john's saying um like obviously i want their respect but oh i think over time like say i was to mess up and they still wanted my leadership but they recognize hey i'm accountable i'm responsible because i i accepted my failure i accepted mm-hmm. my right they're only going to respect me more and they're what john said like i just need me personally i just need to hear you say like okay i, I believe in it i believe in your vision still and i'm still rocking with you yeah yeah that's all i yeah. need and it's like okay cool i'm glad we're not like on two different pages now it's like you want to see the leader that made the wrong decision just acknowledge the fact that there was the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. Doesn't yeah. need to be that they're they're right or they're like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. You're kind of like right. just like just acknowledge that it was the wrong one. Yeah, right. You know I mean? Like I went with my gut feeling. We had all this data, right, and we made an interpretation. We made a move off of it. And if that was the wrong move, you know, maybe I interpreted it wrong. How do we learn and, from that? And you know, you can trust someone like that because if someone was did make the wrong decision and they don't admit to it, or mm-hmm. if they're not. They're just saying like, oh, no, you guys are wrong. Like, I, I, this was the best. Like, that, that'll that like kind of polarize the situation, I feel like. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? Something I've seen too just in my life and like in my career is that oftentimes when people who get into leadership position because they've they've been doing it for a long time, they've gained respect and merit, um, they're a leader for a reason, right? That they're normally the ones who acknowledge that they fucked up and this is the new game plan. People who get in the leadership positions may be underqualified for different reasons. Maybe they were promoted because of degree or uh, of them knowing somebody, yeah. different reasons. They're the ones who normally are quick to put the blame back on you Yeah. in mm-hmm. this scenario. I, maybe that's biased to me saying no, that. That's what I've always, I that's what I've always seen. Always like, we failed because of you. I'm like, what? You know, <laughs> yeah. Maybe not directly, but they're saying that to you and your crew. Right, right. right. You guys weren't good enough. But the, the real leader who like earned it, he's like, we fucked up. That's my bad. Like, and then the normally the crew is like, you know what, man? You're our leader for a reason. You, that, know, like, that, right. you know more than me. That makes me think of um, what was that that book you showed me? Way of the Superior Man, mm-hmm. where he said it's more it's more respectable for a man to admit his fears or to uh, yeah, admit his fear, right? Rather than to like just say like, "Oh, I'm not scared of anything," or "I don't, I don't have that." It almost kind of reminds me of the same situation because if your leader was 
acting like as if it, it's or just casting blame or or just not taking any responsibility, then you kind of would lose trust with that person. You lose respect for a leader yeah. who takes not who blames you for everything. Exactly. Exactly. That sucks. That's a sucky feeling. You're like that uh, elf in Harry Potter. Dobby. Uh, <laughs> well, no, you're you're like Dobby before he's free. He's like right. you swine. You know, <laughs> so it's all your fault, Dobby. Yeah. <laughs> I Dobby just watched that movie, dude. Dobby just died 10 minutes before this episode. Uh, I, no bullshit, tears. I was like, bro, that was sad, great. dude. <laughs> yeah. I love Dobby. It really went out. Yeah, man. Freaking dumb. But yeah, I mean, those are my key takeaways. One thing to remind, remind ourselves of, too, and the people listening, is the difference between a leader, leader and a manager. If you go back to our um, CIF episode, uh, talking about centers. Um, and the life's circles of influence and, and of concern, mm-hmm. you get an idea. He really breaks it down um, in a metaphorical way of what a leader is in, if you're in the middle of the jungle, right? So you have your people, your workers that are chopping down the forest. We're making progress towards a goal, right? right? Then you have the managers that are sitting in the back like, okay, how do we maximize efficiency with what we're doing? And then there's yeah. a leader who climbed the tree all the way to the top and is looking at his map and looking at the destination who looks down to his crew and it says, yes, we're on the right path or no, we need to shift completely directions. We're in the wrong jungle, baby. <laughs> right. So we're in an entirely wrong jungle altogether. So Shackleton, he plays the he plays that leadership role leader where role. he gets on top of that tree. There's no trees in Antarctica, but he gets on top of an iceberg and he like makes an idea like, OK, we're going the right way. We're not going the right way. Versus right. the managers in the group who are like in the other tents that are making sure everybody's doing what they need to do. Or even that part where they they had traveled some distance and then he saw the the the, um, the terrain moving forward and he's like, we got to turn back. Right, right. Because right? if he, they would have just kept going and I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. You know I mean? But it would have been rough. Definitely. So th- that was my big leadership quality takeaway from part three. Um, yep. if, if you guys have any... We could discuss those as well. I think that was um, probably the biggest kinda, one at first. Yeah, I think yeah. we wrapped it up. Um, key takeaways for me was just, you know, Devil's Playground is an idle mind. Uh, leaders who are able to admit their mistakes are more trustworthy. Mm-hmm. And that uh, morale is sort of boosted when, when men have something to do. Yeah, find yeah. purpose, find mm-hmm. purpose. And it don't really have to be like, you know... It doesn't have to be something grandiose. Find something, you know, some purpose this year. You know, 2022 is coming up. Find a purpose this year, you know? Yeah. And not no New Year's resolution or whatever. It's just pick something that you really can attack and do it. Your life's resolution. Right? (laughs) Start peeling the layers of the onion because sooner or later you'll get to the core. Yeah, I I enjoyed this chapter. It was a a good chapter. With all the crazy decisions, I think it was really like, it was kind of hard to read the parts with like all the dogs and shit. I was like, yeah, dude, I was like, ooh. I know. (laughs) Like, the detail and shit, like the gun and to the uh, head. Not killing it all the way. Yeah, it was pretty bad. But uh, anything else you want to mention, John? Um, Maybe to the reader, to the listeners. We didn't really talk about it that much, but one of my favorite parts in the whole book is when things are super low, they think they're going to kill the dogs, and then they see a couple penguins, and then they kill, like I think that day, like 20 penguins, and then they think to themselves, I bet if all this fog cleared up, there'd be like 50 or hundreds and the fog cleared up and there's like thousands of penguins <laughs> yeah. and they just go around i think like it's like a video like a video game or something yeah, like right? 
go something to how do. many penguins do you think i can kill 100 and they just ran out and just like <laughs> killing penguins <laughs> yeah. it's a crazy world dude goes prone uh, and comes up on them yeah like, <laughs> yeah it was um, pretty crazy i think the shittiest part about all that though is they didn't get as much meat as they thought like obviously it was well they were food. tiny they're like, 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 yeah, like chickens yeah, yeah. Like chickens <laughs> For real, no fat and there's what 27 men that they have to eat 28 yeah the penguins had no leader yeah. <laughs> the leader didn't call out that yeah, they, you gotta that go half of their family was getting murked on the side <laughs> yeah. yeah i think well, they, i was totally uh, i looked, looked that up like the animals weren't scared of them because they're not a predator so right. they didn't care the human they're just like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah Jeez. that's funny all right so with that i'll, I'll take us out yeah take us out all right sounds good thank you so much for watching this episode guys we hope you really enjoyed it we talked about part three from endurance pick up this book it's really really good story um things you would never think about you know going to the antarctic surviving on ice on top of the ocean it's just stuff you would never think about so highly recommend you read it really good stuff it was written by alfred lansing so uh, before we take off, we want to remind you, subscribe to the channel, like the video, hit the little bell by the subscription, like the video, comment down below, uh, all our social media information will be down in the description below, and always remember that the work you put in now equals who you will be tomorrow. Peace. Peace out. Peace.